Hey, my name is J.D. Larson, one of the pastors at North City Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. I hope this inspires and equips you to love God more deeply and to love your neighbor as yourself. At North City, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, and we hope this message emboldens you to do just that in whatever space God has sent you to. Be sure to subscribe and keep in touch with the conversations North City is having. And if you want to find out more about our community, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or online at NorthCityChurchMPLS.com. Enjoy the message. A few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with our own Adobe Induka. You see, we have normal weekly meetings and Adobe had just had surgery in her left eye cataract surgery. So as you can imagine, I was asking her, how are you feeling? Are you doing okay? What is your vision like? And I don't know if you know anything about cataract surgery or why it's required, but it happens when a person's vision becomes clouded over time. You see, a cataract is a clouding of the actual lens in our eyes. And if you think about like a camera lens and taking a quarter to it and scratching it, which just makes me as a photographer, oh, like shiver on the inside, you wouldn't be able to take very good pictures, right? The lens would be totally scratched and you wouldn't be able to see clearly. That's what happens to our eyes as cataracts form. And the deal is, it's not an instantaneous thing. It's very gradual over time. And so Adobe had gone to the doctor not even realizing how bad her eyesight actually had become. And so to fix a cataract, a surgeon actually goes into your eye, takes out your lens, and replaces it with a clear, perfect artificial lens. The surgery is relatively simple. It's outpatient, you're in, you're out, same morning. So here Adobe and I are talking about her cataracts, and I'm asking, how are you seeing? And she goes, girl, you wouldn't even believe what I wasn't seeing. You see, I was watching anime with the kiddos, and I noticed this little character at the bottom of the screen and I asked them, hey kids, you know, has that always been there? And they just sort of side glanced at me and they're like, yeah, mom. And they kept watching. And all I could think, this is her saying, all I could think to myself was, what else haven't I been seeing this whole time? We laughed, but the conversation quickly turned spiritual as I'm guessing you're not probably super surprised. We had both just finished reading 1st and 2nd Corinthians as we were preparing for these sermons. And here we are in an actual story about an actual lens being cleared so that Adobe could see rightly. (laughs) As the video taught us at the very beginning, the book of 1st Corinthians is a letter to the church of Corinth written by the apostle Paul. And its overarching point is that we as believers and followers of Jesus are called to view our lives through the lens of the gospel, the saving work of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? Like with Adobe's cataract, which was clouding her own view over time, so too are we clouded by our own sin to see where we are not living in accordance to the gospel and out of the power of the Holy Spirit given to us to be people who can help make wrong things right. As long as we can't see, we won't see. And sometimes we need help to bring clarity. For Adobe's eyes, this meant new actual lenses that the surgeon implanted in her eye so she could physically see the world around her just as God intended. And for us as Christ followers, this means that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us see what inside of us needs to change in order that we can love our neighbors. You see, it is only through a gospel lens that we can see clearly 
what God has intended all along. So a little historical context before we jump into the text today. Again, 1 Corinthians is a letter written by Paul, written to the church he planted in the city of Corinth, which today is about an hour drive west from modern-day Athens in Greece. As the video mentioned, Corinth was a large and important port city, which meant it was a hub of activity and was um, quite diverse, not only financially, but economically, socially, and ethnically. And because of this, the Corinthian church was as well. And we also know from reading this letter to the Corinthians that the church was struggling quite a bit. They were really trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, and there were a lot of ideas of how that should or shouldn't be. And so Paul's letter to the Corinthians is really a redirecting and challenging of the church there because he's so deeply concerned about them, but he loves them so much. And this is what he writes from his heart to them. If you want to open 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 20. Starting in verse 14, Paul writes, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Paul is writing this letter as a concerned parent to the people he cares so deeply about. If you think to yourself, if you're a parent and thinking about how you raise and teach your kids, or if you're a teacher, how your students become your kids, how saying my kids is sort of normal nomenclature for teachers, or if you've ever been a mentor and you have a mentee, you care deeply about the people that you are mentoring. You care about them. And so Paul, he planted this church. He lived with these people for a year and a half, if not a little bit more, as he planted it, as he taught them about Jesus. And so in this comment, he is trying to say, hey, I care a lot about you. He's even using some special language, his comment about 10,000 guardians. Guardians was kind of our modern day idea of a nanny, a child, like a paid child care worker. And so he's juxtaposing this parental word picture of, hey, you maybe have 10,000 guardians, but you really only have one father. You have all these paid childcare workers and they care about you, but not nearly as much as a parent would care. And so I'm writing you this because I see a problem and I think the biggest thing and the best thing I can do to love you is to say some hard stuff. So he goes on to say that he's gonna send Timothy. So essentially Timothy's kind of going in, in the in-between time before Paul can get there to sort of help them sort them, some things out. And then in verses 18 through 20, again, some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then when I get there, I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, 
but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Paul has heard that this church was divided and members were promoting a false understanding of the Christian life rooted in deeds and accomplishments. Okay, the people were divided and fighting over differing theologies and had become arrogant in their intellect and their lifestyles and they were far from unified. Paul here is reminding the church of their power in Christ through the Holy Spirit. He is saying, basically, it is this power that changes us and makes it even possible for us to live a Christian life. So stop thinking that you can think, will, or debate your way to be more Christ-like. It's just not possible. And your arrogance, actually, is keeping you from seeing your need for the Holy Spirit's help. Ugh. Paul is not saying, again, that, that words or the content of our faith or even having good theology is not important. No, in this context, he is calling out the fact that a life lived empowered by the Holy Spirit transforms us to become more like Christ. Jesus empowers us through the Holy Spirit to do things that we would never be able to do on our own. Things that would remain just talk and not action. I bet a lot of us could come up with a handful of examples in our own lives where we feel like the Corinthian church members. I bet we could also think of a lot of examples of when we have had to depend on the Holy Spirit for guidance and help and that without the Holy Spirit we wouldn't have been able to get through whatever it was we were experiencing. The last couple of months have given us a lot of opportunities to ask ourselves, how are we going to do this? In the face of civil unrest, how do I talk to my family members about racial reconciliation? In the face of uncertainty times a million, how do I keep my fear of the future from overwhelming my ability to live in the present? In the very real, very real experience of quarantining either alone or with just one other person for a long period of time, how do I be a person who lives out of grace and patience, maybe even kindness? As Paul said, the kingdom of God is not a, of word, but of power. We can say we want to love our neighbors. We can even come up with a whole lot of ideas of how to do that and talk about it. But it is actually really hard to pull all of this off and put it into action without his help. Like the story of Adobe's cataracts being removed so she could physically see, so too have the last few months revealed in each and every one of us cataracts in our own hearts. Lenses by which we view ourselves or others that are not how God intended or would have for us. A gospel lens helps us see as God would see, but it has some requirements. It requires one, that we acknowledge our brokenness, two, that we accept his forgiveness, and three, we receive the Holy Spirit's empowerment to take a next step. And so in all of this, we have a choice, right? In every moment, in every day, will we be people who choose to put on a gospel lens or will we choose a lens of our own? Maybe the, I just need to be better lens, which really just keeps us in shame. Or the, I'll just work harder lens, which really just points to the fact that we're trying to maybe prove ourselves to ourselves or each other. My personal favorite, the rose-colored glasses lens of, it'll be fine if I just keep ignoring it, right? Or maybe the, 
this isn't my problem lens, which abdicates our responsibility in a system where we actually do take part. How have you been seeing and what has been revealed to you in this difficult season? To help us discern what God may be speaking to us in this time, we're actually going to take a moment here together, right here and now, to ask ourselves three questions. The first question being, how have you been seeing the world? Followed with, how has this time brought clarity to your heart? And we're not talking clarity in terms of your future plans, but clarity in terms of your character, your feelings, your bias, your judgments. And then third, what lens do you need to trade in for a gospel lens? And so this is how it's gonna work. During the next couple of minutes, I am going to invite you to find a comfortable space to sit or stand if you'd like, close your eyes, hold your hands open in an active or symbolizing an active surrender and receiving. And I am going to ask you these questions and give you time in between each one for reflection and prayer. And then I'll wrap us up in some prayer after that. So join me. How have you been seeing the world in and around you? How has this time brought clarity to your heart? What lens do you need to trade in for a gospel? lens. Lord, we ask that you give us a gospel lens and that we may receive your power to overcome and take a next step. We thank you for your love and your kindness we know that you are good and that you want our best. Help us to believe and grow our faith. Help us to love our neighbors as ourselves and make us more like you. Help us to take action. Amen. Thanks for doing that with me. What came to your mind? With the gospel lens and the power of God, here are some examples that maybe you thought of. Maybe with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you might be able to really start to learn about your bias and not get defensive. Maybe you would be able to genuinely be more patient with the people that you live with or you work with or you go to a grocery store with. Maybe you could sleep better because you're not overcome with fear or worry. Maybe you would have more joy and fun as you let go of your need to have things your way or in your time. Ultimately, 
We cannot love our neighbors without God empowering us to do so. As we lean into being active participants in the kingdom of God, let's not let it be just about talk. Hey, this is Pastor Christian Ann of North City Church. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. We hope you feel more empowered to love your neighbors in the way of Jesus. If you have thoughts or questions, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message on our website, northcitychurchmpls.com backslash sermons. Learn more about the North City community there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks goes out to Ben Noble for the music on this podcast. If you haven't heard Ben Noble's music yet, check it out at bennoblemusic.com. Let me send you into your day with this blessing. May God give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear all that God is doing in the world around you. And may he give you the courage to respond. Amen.